Welcome to Teaching Takeaway Season 2, Episode 8. I'm your host, Amanda, and I'm glad you're here. This podcast series is about sharing favorite tools, strategies, thoughts, and fun finds on all things education. If you have any connection to the education field and want to finesse your craft, this is the space to hang out and grab a piece of instant relevance, a takeaway you can apply to your classroom the very same day. Today's tech tip is all about organizing those screenshots. If you have a Mac, you can easily change where the screenshots land to keep your desktop clutter-free. All you have to do is press Command, Shift, and the number five. You will see an option to change the location of screenshots. From that point on, you will see your new screenshots in the folder you named. I also have a quick YouTube tutorial to show you what you see when you do this. So it's a little, um, I guess, less confusing, but basically it's just command, shift, and the number five. Let me know if you decide to check it out. Is there a technology question you wonder about? If so, reach out and I'm happy to help. I will feature tech questions in the form of tips in future episodes here on the podcast. Friends, today I want to take a moment and say happy new school year. I firmly believe that the 2021-2022 school year is going to be far more fabulous than we can even imagine. And if you are going back to the classroom, kudos to you. I will see you there on August 16th, so next week, if you're listening to this Um, I guess right now. But anyway, I wanted to take a moment to say that we've got this. Last year was tricky, but we can do the hard things just like our students. And to help us with the back to school 2021 school year, I wanted to share a conversation I had the pleasure of having with the dynamic duo, Joe and Kristen Merrill, authors of the book, The Interactive Class. If you have not purchase this book yet on Amazon. I think you need to do it now. It I noticed, I guess maybe it was the other day, it was on sale for I think like eleven or twelve dollars. So very affordable, ready to go. And when you meet Joe and Kristen, you will be like, oh, these are my people and I definitely want to try what they are sharing. So are you ready for it? Here we go. I am here today with Joe and Kristen Merrill, authors, husband-wife duo of the interactive class, as well as um, you have a new book, I believe, that came out recently, Flipgrid in the Interactive Classroom. And so thank you guys so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you so much for yeah, having thanks us. Thanks for really having us. It. We're excited. You guys are a dream team, husband, wife, teaching gurus. And so do you guys want to take a minute to kind of introduce yourselves to everybody that may not have heard about you yet? Sure. Um, My name is Kristen. I am a fourth grade, uh, primarily English language arts teacher. Um, And I do have the, uh, I would say the fortune of teaching at the same school as my husband. And I'm Joe. I'm a first grade teacher. And, uh, you know, it's just an awesome experience. Yeah, we, we share a love for teaching and learning. We he gets the littles, I get the older kids. So we have this fun dynamic of not necessarily doing all the things the same way, but getting to share back our 
um, our highs and lows with one another. And then now it's kind of evolved to sharing it with other people. Yeah, it's, it's really cool for us being at the same school because, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm in younger grades. So usually what will happen is, you know, I have a, uh, a younger a younger one. And then by the time I get to Kristen, <laughs> you know, they already uh, have had some of the marital experience or maybe even there's a sibling that goes along with that too. So we've had a lot of situations like that. It's recently. been fun. We just share, you know, it's, it's as teachers, it's, if, you're, if a teacher is not married to someone teaching, it's hard. They don't always relate to what, what you deal with and what you go through. So we do have that benefit of getting to come home to each other and share. Benefit or appreciation? Maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because I know my husband's an engineer and he starts to cringe come August when, you know, I'm at Target or Amazon or whatever, just, you know, getting ready for the next school year. And he just doesn't understand. So um, I think that's great that you guys have that. And you well, to, know that. To, to be clear, I still cringe whenever we go to Target. Stop. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's like, a husband thing, actually. It must be. He's like, Amanda, just give them paper and pencil and tell them to sit down and be quiet. And I'm like, that's why you're not a teacher. Yeah, see, I, I get it. It's just the it's just the, the, the receipts and the money that I'm like. Well, just be real. You have an Amazon addiction just like I have a Target one. So, you know, yang and yang. Right. But you guys compliment each other so well. <laughs> and I think it's fabulous that you both get to work at the same school. Now, do your kiddos go to the same school as well? Uh, up until this year, they did. Yeah. So we have one that's going into middle school. So it's a little bit of a different change for us this year. But um, yeah, in the last few years, we've all been at the same place. So it's been kind of cool. That is magical. Now, you guys, I stumbled across your book um, because I am a book, a professional development book nerd, and I'm always reading something just because I love learning. And your book was one of my choices. You know how Amazon, if you're looking at something, they'll say, well, other people that search this, you know, ended up buying these three books. And so your book was one of the ones that I stumbled across at the end of last school year not the one we just finished but the crazy one where life shut down yeah <laughs> right and so and at that time I wasn't teaching full-time I was teaching my neighborhood because of the COVID um and so anyway I was looking for ideas and so um this past school year is when I was able to start really diving in because I stepped back into the classroom full-time and um your book has been I mean it's well used it's sticky noted up. It's amazing. And um, so I just want to say thank you for taking time, you know, being parents and teachers to take all of your awesomeness in and put it out there for everybody else too. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank it's you definitely so an interesting experience writing a book. It's never something that we really thought we would do. Um, when, when we were approached with the, the idea, we thought they were joking. <laughs> um, and that book came out in January before COVID hit. So when that book came out, we had no idea what the state of education or what was going to happen. And it was just kind of to us like an honor to be like, wow, we actually have this out and ready. And hopefully, you know, that exact thing happened. People would stumble across it and be able to use it at a time where no one really knew what they were doing. Yeah, you know, it was like the world's greatest PD event, as Kristen mm -hmm. says. And so um, our, our hope was that, you know, that might have assisted us somewhat along the way and helped educators try to deliver their content in a way that was, you know, highly engaging, but at the same time, you know, still highly effective. And so um, it was definitely a challenge working through that whole time period. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're glad to hear that the book. Yeah, that's exactly what we were hoping for. <laughs> 
Yes, no, it's beautiful. And, um, and I love that how you guys wrote it. It's not something, you know, when you're reading some PD books, you're really excited and geeked up to try something new, but then you're like, how do I add something else to my day? Like, what am I going to have to give up to make this happen? And then you're like constantly torn, but your book is taking what teachers already do and I just believe it's enhancing what they do. So it's not something extra. It's just enhancing what is probably already being delivered in the classroom. And I love that it is in a, you know, I have sticky notes for everything like, oh, I could use this for this novel study or this morning meeting or whatever. And I can just flip to that page to remind myself what you guys suggested and how to roll it out the same morning that I go use it. So it's very user friendly. Um, teacher-friendly resource, so. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Thank you. You know, I think that was one of our major goals when the organization of ideas started coming in. We really said that, you know, with me being a primary (laughs) teacher, I don't read chapter books really, right? We we do picture books, and so I... go back and forth on this and I'd be like no that's too long gotta gotta narrow that down let's just say that (laughs) teachers writing a book with a publishing company there is a lot of debate on how things should be formatted and we really quote unquote fought with them over certain things that we really felt were authentic we always want things to be authentic all those lessons all of those ideas they are things that we already do um and we wanted that to come across in the book wait we wanted we didn't want it to sound stuffy or sound like someone who's who thinks that they know what should happen but never have really been in a classroom we wanted it to read and, and like you said we wanted it to be, we wanted it to be efficient we wanted mm-hmm. you or any other educator out there to be able to pick the book up and do that lesson either the next day or maybe even if you're brave try that day <laughs> um and so we wanted it to be that easy and that's why we you know we have the qr codes scattered across the book too so that way you know you don't even have to go about making some of those resources they're right there there for you and uh, you can scan that QR code and, you know, roll it. Yes. No, I love it. So let's talk. So how did a book publishing company find you guys? And um, how did that kind of come about to this beautiful gem that I use all the time? So, it's really funny. Yeah. Um, a lot of our connections started through social media. Um, we joined Twitter probably five or six years ago. Um, with the district initiative and we thought it was crazy we thought it was like not what you know teachers are so fearful and so sometimes scared of doing those things and we we grew a lot on twitter and we developed a lot of connections with teachers and people from other places and um and then we were you know and that let people see into our world and to see into our classroom and we went to a conference uh ISTE. isti one summer um we were in was it chicago is it chicago it I will never forget. We were sitting at an ice cream store. It was at the end of the conference one day. We went to get ice cream. We were just talking and got a message from someone, a friend of ours who worked with a publishing company that said, we've seen everything on your social media. We see the window into your classroom. We've watched you present. We think you should write a book. And we were like, what? (laughs) Classroom teacher. Like they have got to be joking. Like we have no idea. Like we don't know how to pitch things and organize and, I mean, we were, we were kind of laughing, but of course, like I, I, we're always like, well, whatever, let's have a meeting. Let's talk with these people. Thank goodness. Your sister's in marketing. She's like, okay, this is what you got to do. Like, yeah, sit down and plan this out. And so she kind of helped us because we didn't even know what would it be on? Like, what would it even, 
you know, yeah. be. And then we spent a long time before we even really wrote anything talking about what it would look like and also kind of building that up on social media and building that brand of like, you know, for us as a, as a couple, you know, what does our teaching style reflect? What is it, you know, what does that all mean? And so really trying to figure out where that all fits um, kind of drove us to the book and the end goal. Yeah, we were totally teachers. Like right with the post-its on the wall and all the things that yeah. we love. And and what it came down to was all of the things that we wanted to share with people, even after you organize them, they all kind of centered back to that idea of, of, of that interactive relationship with students. Like, you know, that a lot of times we hear people say like, oh, I want my, my classroom to be inviting or I want to add this, but they don't know why. Like why they're doing sometimes the things you're doing. And all of it came back. And that's kind of how that term was then coined, that interactive. Like, and what does that mean to be interactive? Does it mean you're moving? Does it mean you're, you know, and then that, oh, it comes from this relationship, this res responsiveness that you have with your kids. And then how your teaching and learning changes when you have that responsive relationship. And then it kind of all just flushed itself out. Yeah, it's definitely not just all cartwheels in the classroom. <laughs> Well, I think it's magical, and um, I was actually planning this school year because I'm working on my national boards right now, and I needed to kind of map out the whole year, and after I mapped out my year, I went back to all of my sticky notes from you guys and started plugging in, you know, the enhancement of what I wanted to do. So it's not like something extra to do. It's what I was already going to do, but you guys just formulated it in a way to make it more interactive, more engaging, kind of level up, you know, existing things that I've done in years past. And I was sharing, I shared my scope and sequence I created with one of my colleagues that also teaches language arts with me in fifth grade. And she was asking, cause I had your stuff abbreviated. Um, that made sense to me and like what page something was on for that particular day. And she's like, what is this? And I was like, oh, you need the interactive class. And she's like, what is that? And I told her it's this magical book. And I, <laughs> I did a boomerang, like flipping through so she could see all the sticky notes are all hot pink and neon orange. I mean, it's stuffed full and um, it's, you know, I've read it in the pool. I've read it at school. There's coffee on it. I mean, it's a well-used piece of material. And um, she's like, I need this because I want to do these things too. And this colleague She's on, I think, either her 27th or 28th year of teaching. And so um, the fact that I was excited about your book and she could see my novel studies and what my morning meeting, you know, my skeletal plan for morning meetings and closing circles and how I could just plug you guys in, you know, sprinkled throughout our day, not all day, every day, but like I said, just a, a good enhancement of what's going on. She was less intimidated to do the same, which I thought speaks volumes to what you guys do, that you touch not only new teachers, but really veteran teachers that are at the end of their career, but are super excited to do something because it's not on the premise of it's something more to do. Um, yeah. I love that. Well, thank you. And I think we get that a lot, you know, because people will sometimes see things that they see on social media from us and they'll be like, yeah, but my kids can't do that. And then they'll realize that it came from my class, which is a first grade classroom. And they're like, but those kids are six and seven. So, I mean, these are things that, you know, any any kid can do. Um, and we, we try to keep that in the back of our minds, too, of, you know, of making activities 
um, accessible for all ages. And so, you know, whether you're a middle school teacher, high school teacher, or maybe you're in, in kindergarten, that these ideas in some way, shape, or form could be adapted to fit the needs of the students in your classroom. Yeah, and a lot of the things in the book, they, they, they focus around either um, collaboration or creation or discussion. Those are things you're doing in your classroom. Like they may be, like you're saying, in a different format, but you could create that same thing that you drew on that piece of paper in a different way. And, and maybe it's a little bit more interactive. Maybe it speaks the language of the kids a little bit more. Maybe it's in a platform that they find a little bit more engaging. But still at the bottom line, it's just teaching is teaching. It's the same concepts. It's just in that different. And I think that's what we, we try to, to show people. It's not like we're trying to say that like, old school teaching there's not a place for or that we don't need those skills like of course we do just sometimes we can we can jazz it up or we can or we can make it match our current day and our current technologies and our things that our kids should probably be versed in too you know we, we do need to be able to have those face-to-face -face conversations and know how to speak to each other but we also need to know how to be on a conference call and how to do it on a video and how to edit and how to do those things and so being able to to put them in you know it makes me feel good to, for you to say that it's, it wasn't as intimidating or you know or or it's not every single lesson you're right you know and and showing people that they can do it too and and finding the ways um that feel most comfortable through the book we tried to make it as applicable to any subject or we really thought that okay could you do this vocabulary lesson in science yeah could you do it in reading yes could it even be math yes like we tried to to, to show ideas on how you could integrate that technology in as many ways as possible. I think that also speaks volumes to your friend though, because you know, an educator that is a veteran that's been teaching for that long, that's that's aware and open to change, kudos to them because true educator. You know, that right there just shows a true educator because what they're trying to do is they're trying to be there for their students, whether you know it's a digital lesson, whether it's an old school paper pencil lesson, or it's a combination of both. And the willingness to learn, that speaks volumes for that educator. Yes, no, she's pretty fabulous. And it's fun to um, plan with her, but then execute using our own personalities. But she, like, as soon as we got done with our chat, she bought, I guess, the um, ebook version of your book because um, she was super excited. I, um, when you were talking about that it's good for any subject area, I definitely agree. And one of my favorite things that you guys do is, or one of the activities that is cross uh, curricular is the differentiation piece with the let the dice decide activity. I think that's magical and a very simple, non-intimidating, like let's do it today kind of activity, whether you do it on Flipgrid or, you know, anchor charts or, or whatever mm -hmm. your level is. I love that not everything you have is technology. Some of it is just the moving or the conversations um, with kids, you know, building the relationships with the parents. But I thought that was a fun, easy first steps to, you know, mixing up what you do while applying what you've always done. You know, like a healthy balance for those people that are teetering on changing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just and tools you already have, like who? I mean, like dice, like you can go to the dollar store and get them really cheap. But they're probably something you already have, you know. And and not always having to recreate and remake and redo all the time. Like that's that's a lot of work. And and um and just you know just the what is it the surprise or not knowing what the dice right. is. Like it's, it's an easy way and it's an automatic and, and you don't have yeah. to like create something. Here's the paper you're already gonna do. Put some numbers next to it and roll. Go bye. Like you know what I mean? It doesn't always have to. 
it doesn't always have to be produced and beautiful and don't get us wrong. Like, like we said, we love fonts and we love things to be, but that, you know, one of our very first blog posts ever was one that we wrote and was called pretty versus pedagogy and talking about good teaching and how sometimes, you know, especially with this new day and age, you got to look out for those new teachers coming in. Like it doesn't always have to be this beautifully crafted worksheet or website or PowerPoint slide deck or whatever it is for it to be a good lesson and for kids to like it. And sometimes it can be something as simple as taking out a pair of dice or doing freeze dance and playing four corners that will get them engaged and it's, it's okay. Yeah. If there's one thing that we've learned from having our own kids, cause our own kids were in our class when they were in first and in fourth grade. And if there's one thing that we learned from them is that just because you like it <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean that they do. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, there's so many times we would do these great and you know blessings with all, and we go like, "What'd you think?" Meh, it's okay. Okay, <laughs> right, cool. Like you know, like their other kids aren't gonna tell you that you're their teacher. They're like, they're not gonna say anything. Your own children, they will tell you. And so they were. They are great sounding boards for. Sometimes we are out of touch, and 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 you you got to know you have to have that responsive relationship with your students to know what they like and what they don't like and how they learn better and every year that's going to change and so that idea of having this filing cabinet of lessons that you're just going to pull from every year and do the same thing is not responsive teaching it's it's not what's best for kids and i love that and not only are you guys building relationships with the kiddos but i like the um, back to school teacher postcards, you know, idea for meet the teacher night and building those relationships between home and school. Now, how did that idea come about? Uh, actually, Kristen is sweating at the moment trying to get her order in. <laughs> Mine, so. I ordered like, you know what it was? It was something I've done for a long time. Um, I was joking with Joe. I was on Instagram watching, seeing all these teachers with their teacher contact cards and all these things. And I'm going back in my files and like, man, look at, here's my magnet that I did in 2016. Here's my one from 2017. Like we've just, things we've just been doing for a long time, but I don't think it was until our son hit kindergarten that we were really like our oldest. Son. Yeah. Our yeah. oldest son. It was, that was like six years ago. And, and you would come home and be like, Oh my gosh, how was your day? Like it was fun. Uh -huh. No, uh, nothing. nothing. No, <laughs> no, really. Like what? I mean, I work at your school. I saw, and like, then you'd be like, I saw some like picture on the wall that had to do with pigs oh well and you know just we learned that like it wasn't that he didn't have fun at school or that he didn't want to tell us but he was just so mentally exhausted from the whole day that he just like would shut his brain off and he couldn't and, and if and we realized that you could just give like really little things here and there to parents like the picture of a book on your instagram page or that could let them start that conversation like joe always says instead of like what did you do today to like telling what you did with whatever it was today how did you do that how did, or how did you do it or whatever that then it, then they could talk and they could tell you they just they couldn't always necessarily get it started and so i think it was our own children going through school that kind of you know one wanted us to, have, to be a fun place but two real we really realized that importance of getting those building the parents in and letting them know what happens every day I can't really remember why I started the postcards, probably just because I wanted something fun and let's be real inexpensive. Um, and I realized that if I could do it at the beginning of the year and get them to address it for me, it saved a whole bunch of time. <laughs> right. No, that's genius. I'm like, oh, look at that. And I don't know about you guys, but I have students in a fifth grade classroom that when you ask him, what, what is your address? What is mom's phone number? They have no idea. And so I think that also offers a good conversation piece at the meets teacher night to, you know, when the kids are neatly addressing a postcard, 
to themselves and then the parents realize oh snap they they don't know that they live on this you know oh, road yeah or so good like you know dinner time conversation too but I liked that because I think that helps build relationships between home and school so when you do have to have a harder conversation the family doesn't feel like you're coming at them because they know that you know it's a relationship and you just have the kiddo's best interest in mind because you'll share the good with you know the not so good news so absolutely anyway. yeah that's really important you're the first that your parents and families at home hear from you they should not have to hear bad news it should definitely be you know something positive but as a new teacher talking to parents is probably one of the scariest things you know and i know that when i first started i looked young and i will never forget someone walking in my first year and being like what are you like 12 and i was mortified I was like, no, like I'm your child's teacher. And so from that point, I never wanted to talk to parents. I was like, it took me a really long time to realize that it's not like an us versus them or that we're in this together. And, and we spend more time with these kids than their parents do. And you want you want it to be that kind of experience where the lear learning is, that's so cliche, like learning is fun. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's an enjoyable thing, like that, that learning process. And to, memorable. And, to let, yeah. and parents realize like, they're not just learning inside my classroom, learning happens everywhere. And and that these, these home and school things can connect and that we can both do things together just in different ways and support each other. And really it doesn't take that much effort um, from either part. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, Joe, then that way when you do have to have those difficult conversations, they know it's coming out of a place of wanting to, of wanting to help, not just a place of wanting to criticize or just state the obvious. Exactly. And um, I have marked here for back to school, I was telling my colleague, you know, going backwards to the relationship building and words and everything. Your my mouth is a volcano activity. <laughs> You're a genius. Now, do you both use that in your classroom or have you tried it in one or the other? Well, I have to admit that, do, man, if anyone hears this, this is not coming anytime soon but there will eventually have to be like a reprinting of this book to add even more lessons in because i have a, an addiction to books and um i used to blame it on my children now they're old enough and they can't um <laughs> we both use that book we both love it i'd probably say joe probably reads it more often than i do with the littles but i'm constantly finding new books and new things so like i'd love to go back into, into an interactive class and say hey you could do this lesson with Blank, 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 like, because I found so many even, even better books, or not better, but just different and new, and, um, but I, yeah, I just, I'm the book one, I love books, um, and so I love that book, that's a great book, and I think picture books are a great way to bridge conversations with kids, or to start conversations with kids in a very low-stress way, right, there's, there's no, you did this, or you did this, or you should do this, like, it, it's like, it speaks their language, it's very simple, um, and so I use picture books, all the time. Well, and what I, and I do too, I picture books, I think, you know, at some point when they get to be bigger kids, they're like, oh, we only need chapter books. And I feel like that starts around the end of first grade, beginning of second grade. They just kind of want to throw out the picture books, but I think picture books are good, you know, all the way K-12 and beyond. Um, but with the mouth of the, my mouth is a volcano book, I was thinking about it. I teach at a STEM school and I was thinking about just doing the activity that you suggested, but not telling them how to do it. So then you're leveling up again with a STEM component and having them, you know, collaborate with each other to have little mini things going on around the room and who can be successful. And then talking about 
you know, the grit of, you know, maybe, you know, the group across the classroom experience greater success more quickly, but your activities that you put in here, I feel like are great jump starts to other conversations or can um, be applied, like we've said, you know, before, but I just was thinking, wow, every teacher really needs this book because it hits all parts of your day. Thank you. Then, you know, that's an excellent point. And one of the things that we're seeing now, too, is um, I'm sure you've seen the updates that are coming from Flipgrid. And uh, a lot of those updates now, can, those same lessons that are in the book can now be adjusted to those newer updates. And like you just said, leveled up even more, um, you know, and so things like backdrops and Flipgrid, that's going to be a complete game changer because now you can have a student who takes a picture of their work and is literally explaining their work to you in real time, you know. And so it's taking those ideas and just seeing how they'll meet the needs of your students in your classroom is, you know, our goal. And uh, I'm just so happy to hear that. You know, yeah, we don't get to talk and hear a lot from educators, obviously, because they're busy and they have lots going on. Um, you know, but like that was our biggest thing when writing this book is we didn't want to take the time to write a book and then it not be authentic and not be um, applicable. I mean, we, believe it or not, we cut so many lessons out of that book. <laughs> Our publisher was like, you can't have any more in here. Like, this is too long. No one's going to buy it. And we're like, okay. So now looking back, I'm like, oh, we're going to go back and add those lessons in, you know? And But the idea, like you said, like, you know, okay, start with a book. We can all read a book, right? But then you might be a STEM teacher. You might want to take it this route. You might be a writing teacher. You might take it this route. You might want to do a science activity with it. Or let's show you how you can do all of that together and embed it into what, like, everyone is at different places with how they teach the, you know, all sorts of things. And so it just, it, it, in my opinion, I don't mean like, obviously it's just my opinion, but like, I feel like when you open that book, there are so many different ways that you could take it and run with it. Right. And um, I even think middle school teachers could, we often get pegged as being elementary teachers. Um, but we always tell people like, listen, this book, there's so many things that we really feel like you could take and adapt to a middle school classroom as well. And, you know, you saying that I agree 100 percent at our school, um, we are a K-8 campus and it's a public school, but we have like one wall that splits, you know, the middle school. They have their own set of, you know, administrators and teachers and they do life their same way, you know, and we on the elementary side. But talking to the fifth graders at the end of this last year, they were very stressed about going to middle school because their their perception is is there's going to be you know lots of homework and you sit and you take notes and then you go you sit and get and go and that's your day and then you're bogged down with work and you do it again the next day and some kids on the last day of school were really upset about just going to the other side of the wall and we would tell them we're like no you still get you will still get to do the picture books and do the stations and the hands-on activities it just because you're leaving this side of the wall shouldn't change how the other side of the wall, you know, works. You're just mm -hmm. doing it with different content. So I agree that this book is, is a definitely a K-12 resource. But I also think it's a resource for college kids. So something I do on the side from time to time is adjunct at our local university. And I teach teacher candidates that are in their last um, year of college and um, I teach differentiation and assessment to them and I was thinking about some of your activities just with the college kids and doing the reading and how I'm not sure when it happened that we feel like 
you know, once you leave elementary school, you can't be engaged or have a good time while learning. It's over, you know, for the rest of your life. So, yeah, I think education for a long time has been very formulated, right? It's really easy to put everything into like a, a process or routine or and I'm a very routine person. Don't get me wrong, but kids are not routine people, you know, like human nature, like everyone is different and unique. And so trying to fit all these unique children into the same formatted classroom year after year. It's just, it's not going to work, you know? And I, I think I say it in the book in the beginning, like, you know, they teach you how, you know, the theory and they teach you this, but like, no one told me how to like make a bulletin board or how to greet parents <laughs> the first week. Like those things are never talked about, but those are all like relationship. Like, like they're all things that have to do with that responsive relationship. Like how you set up your classroom, responding to your students, how you talk to your, your parents and, re and having that responsive relationship with them. That is what I feel like is so missing when we go to school to learn how to teach. But yet I feel like it's such a huge part of what we do. Yeah, there should definitely be a class or something on that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I took like psychology and things yeah. like that. But like, I don't need to know like Freud's theory of whatever to how to deal with responsive teaching and learning with my kids. And, and so I think despite the pandemic, I think teaching is coming in great leaps and bounds, it's changing. And, and we're starting to see some of this, you know, having this equity in classrooms and having representation in classrooms and things like that. But I think there is still a lot of pushback because that formulated way, it, it drives test scores. It gives, you know, ways to monitor like, and there's, there's also other ways to monitor and do things. And I think until teachers kind of slowly start showing things, I've got to tell you, like, I've always been that teacher that's been different, right? Um, I've always been the teacher that does things differently than other people. And when you're the first person in a building to do something differently, people don't take it super well. Um, <laughs> they're fearful of it or they look down upon it or, and then, you know, come years and years and years later, you start seeing people going to conferences to go do the same thing that five years ago, they looked at you like you were, had four eyes for, and you start, you have to almost look back and be like, well, okay. Like change comes slowly, right? Change comes at a different pace for everybody. And, and this, I, in this idea, but just in the last five or six years, I mean, like people are going to think I'm silly, but like a couple years ago, I put a couch in my classroom. People thought I was nuts. <laughs> they really did. I mean, they'd come in my room, like, do you really have a couch in here? And I'm like, why not? Like, let's have a place to sit. Now, like every single classroom in our school, people want couches. But like, I remember that, like people thought I was crazy. Well, to be fair, she was watching a lot of friends. Oh, stop time, it. And <laughs> no, but they're like, I mean, like just the idea that like, just, not that like, it was wrong, but like it had just, no one had ever done it. Or like, that was like even before flexible seating and like having seating places. And now you've got like bicycle chairs and yoga balls and like, but there was a time when the concept of having kids sit on the floor or in a corner, like with a pillow, heaven forbid, was like unheard, you know? And I think, you know, this is my 15th year teaching. So watching how things go through and how things evolve, if nothing else, I've learned that that change does come slowly. Like, you know, you you looked through the book and you found lessons and it inspired you. And then a whole year later, you sat down with a colleague and you planned and it inspired her. And now maybe a whole year later, it will, you know, it's, it's, it's a very personal thing changes. And so now I've realized yeah, we're in this for the long haul, right? Like this is not saying that it's going to get changed overnight, but I am encouraged when I see what teachers are doing with their classes. That is all the time we have for today, but come back next week to hear Joe and Kristen share some of their favorite back to school interactivities 
for um, back to school 2021 that you can use in your classroom. They don't cost money and do not require technology. So we hope that you will come back next time and continue this awesome conversation. And if you haven't already, definitely go on Amazon and purchase their book. You're supporting teachers and getting next level content to apply to your classroom the same day. Before I go, I wanna leave you all with a question. What is your go-to lesson or activity to increase engagement levels with students? Back to school is the perfect time to level up our teaching and I believe together we are better. So if you guys wouldn't mind, I would love to hear your ideas. You can share them on Instagram at train teach teaks on Twitter at Amanda Hallman or by email teaching takeaways at gmail.com. I love hearing from you all and the more ideas we have, the better we can be together. And with that being said, if there is a topic you would like more information on or want ideas from previous book chats, DM me on all the social media I just shared, uh, Twitter, at Amanda Hallman, Instagram, at trainteachteaks, or by email, teachingtakeaways at gmail.com. Thanks so much for hanging with me for a piece of instant relevance, a teaching takeaway to use in your classroom the very same day. Come back next time for part two of the interview with Joe and Kristen Merrill. And in the meantime, if you haven't purchased the book, go ahead. It is the interactive class and they are pretty fabulous people with fabulous ideas. Until next time, hang in there and stay fabulous.